Hey guys, it's Candace Kay, and welcome to the Wabi Sabi Podcast, episode number 53. Welcome to what we call now COVID-y times. We're really going to have to learn to adapt to our new normal, guys. This is this is it. This is the deck of cards that we were handed, and we are all going to have to learn to conform to this deck and make the best of what we've got. Today's guest is Dr. Andrew Weil. He is the pioneer in education when it comes to integrative medicine, integrative health, and alternative medicine. I've been reading his books for the last 13 years, and he never fails when it comes to the truth, honoring the truth, and not giving a fuck about what others think. That's why I love him, and I know that's why you like me. So we have a lot in common. We both wrote for Prevention Magazine for many years, the original wellness publication that first started in 1950. In 59, he first visited Japan. I went to Japan also when I was very young, um, and we both have massive influence from going there at young ages. We have both um, run partnerships with Origins, figuring that, you know, beauty starts from the inside and out. Why not go for the mushroom cream? We both love matcha, and we have a devotional practice inside of us that is something of um, a cosmic energy that's brought through our soul, if not our spirit, and there's no way to describe that other than to feel the magic of our conversation in which we both bring the light out of one another. During this podcast, we'll talk about how to take care of yourself so that you can help others through COVID, but remember to take care of yourself first. You'll also learn that we laugh more than we are serious, so that's good news for you. I want you to keep this lighthearted and positive. I know how hard this time is for every one of you. I have been up, I've been down, and you know what? I just decided... I'm going to go back to selling products that I make by hand. Um, And if you want to support a artist, please go to thematchashop.com. That's T-H-E-M-A-T-C-H-M-A-T-C-H-S-H-O-P-P-E, thematchashop.com. We put matcha beauty powder, that's a latte powder for women, back up on the grid and special cookies that may be made by yours truly. Um, This is the time to support others. And if you have a soul, please consider purchasing for all of the free education and free podcasts and public service journalism that I give to the world. I expect nothing in return other than to hope to see you smiling on the street one day when I bump into you with your mask on or not when we're over this time. And to tell you that I'm so happy to meet you in person, and I'm glad that we met. Until then, please enjoy this podcast with Dr. Andrew Weil, and please know that you are loved, and you are mostly loved when you take the best care of yourself possible. Keep smiling, you guys. Keep getting that sleep, and keep drinking that matcha. Dr. <laughs> Weil, how, how is that cosmic planet going today? It's pretty good, Candace. I'm up at, at my place in British Columbia on a beautiful island, and uh, I have an, a great garden here. I'm enjoying a wonderful forest and on the ocean, so all good. Awesome. And tell me about um, your dogs and your garden and what you're tapping into right now during 
this time of lockdown? Well, I have three dogs who are, I can't imagine life without my dogs. They're, they're great friends. One of them is uh, <laughs> sleeping right behind me at the moment. Uh, my, let's see, at this time of lockdown, first of all, it feels quite safe up here and quiet in British Columbia and Canada in general and British Columbia in particular have handled this crisis much better than we have in the U.S. There are relatively few cases. Uh, it just feels much safer. So I'm pretty much out and about and not very concerned here. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, on your off days or when you're back in the office, if I would say you were in Tucson, Arizona, and you are studying and you're helping the students uh and we're all talking about integrative medicine these days. So if you are in Arizona or California where I am or where you and you are at home, do you have any tips or recommendations of how we could better handle this situation since we have to be very responsible about this right now. Sure. I, well, I have a lot of suggestions. First, I want to say something about wearing masks. And uh, Candace, you know from having uh, grown up and spent a lot of time in Japan that there's a cultural tradition there of people wearing masks when they're not feeling well. And this is done out of respect for other people. It's you're protecting other people. And I don't, I don't understand why so few people seem to get that here and, and feel they're being ordered to wear masks. You know, this is something you do as a, as a courtesy to help protect other people. And I think now finally we're seeing our officials recognize how important that is as a way of slowing transmission of the virus down. Uh, you would agree with that, I assume. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's about when you put your mask on, we like to say, I care for you. You care for me. I respect you, you respect me. Exactly. So you asked about, you know, other tips in this time. You know, one of them I feel quite strongly about is to try to limit your intake of news, especially television news, because I observe that the people who pay most attention to that are the most anxious and the most angry. So that's, that's a strong suggestion that I would give you. Uh, another is that, you know, it, the more you attend to your own wellness, uh, the more resistant you are to any infection. Uh, healthy organisms are naturally resistant. So that means paying attention to how you eat, how you handle stress, making sure you get enough sleep, uh, get proper physical activity. A great challenge is that, you know, our, our opportunities for social interaction are limited right now. Uh, and more of us are interacting virtually than we are in person. So, so that's a challenge because we need, human beings need social interaction. We need contact. We need touch. And this is very limited right now. Right. And it's so interesting that you bring that up because one of my favorite books of yours is Natural Health, Natural Medicine. Mm -hmm. And in this book, there is a section about loving, serving, connecting with family, connecting with community. And one, one of the notes on page 170 is about touching. Mm -hmm. And you write, human beings need to be touched. A great deal of animal and human research shows individuals deprived of physical contact or insecure, poorly adjusted, and prone to illness. Yep. So <laughs> that was something that I found to be fascinating because I, I agree as a former New Yorker who was uh -huh. deprived for many years, <laughs> I used to go and get, you know, massages or mm -hmm. would make sure to see my girlfriends and give them a hug every day. 
And now that we're in this pandemic, how would you tell young women, like all of the listeners or your daughter, like what kind of advice would you give to us on how to be a better community member? How do we serve our community while taking care of ourselves and each other responsibly at this time? I, I, all I can say is be careful and make wise decisions. You know, um, you can spend time with uh, close friends who are also taking precautions where the risk is low. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the, to any extent that you can do that, that's a very good thing. Okay, so be a little bit more mindful maybe of your surroundings mm-hmm. right now. Okay, and what about when it comes to other, I think a lot of us girls love actionable advice mm-hmm. because we could listen and read and view different you know, forms of information right now. But I, I agree with you, lowering my consumption of news intake has helped immensely. And I've actually tried to stay away from friends that are watching the news mm-hmm. like by play. So how would you recommend that we get through this time knowing that there are a lot of unknowns? Like are there strategies or practices that you implement to help with that tactic? Well, I mentioned, you know, getting adequate rest and sleep, very important. Connecting, okay. connecting with nature. I think that's, that is absolutely essential for good physical and mental health. So getting outside, if you, if you're in a city, get going to a park, you know, Central Park saves New York. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes I'd be like, are we really in city right now. <laughs> right. And I'm sure you've heard the term nature deficit disorder, which has been proposed as a, you know, a real problem, especially for kids, but really for all of us. So to any extent that you can find ways of connecting with nature, that is very good for physical and mental health. Oh, I love that. Okay. I fully endorse that and agree. One thing that I thought was interesting is I've been reading a lot on my Buddhist sort of calling, which has been more of my mother's play since Mm -hmm. you and I have a devotional love for Japan. Mm -hmm. So for all of our listeners, Dr. Weil went to Japan for the first time in 1959, which is so wonderful because it means that you've seen more of the old and the new Mm -hmm. the last few decades. And um, I was reading The Art of Happiness in a Troubled World by the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that you have a quote on the back of the book, which ah. I thought it was so bizarre because it, it's in a pile of books. It's like among Tara Brach, Dr. Weil, and then the Dalai Lama. And I was wondering, do you practice meditation? And how do you look at these Eastern philosophies in a Western world as also as tactics. I do practice meditation. I took training long ago in Zen and then in Vipassana. And every morning, uh, the first thing I do when I get up after brushing my teeth is to do some sitting meditation, some breathing exercises and some sitting meditation. And I try to keep my attention on my breath and, and body sensations. You know, but I've always felt that the goal of meditation is not simply to be able to sit quietly. It's to carry that state throughout the day and as much as possible to do everything you do from a state of full mindfulness, having your attention totally in the present. 
So I've often said, Candace, that cooking for me is a meditation, and I think you can relate to that. Uh, preparing food is very important to me. I love chopping vegetables. I love making delicious things, and I'm in a very meditative state when I do that. I love that. Okay, so Dr. Well, you'll love this. When I was 22, against my mother's wishes, who told me, you cannot make a living off of cooking food. You can cook for friends. You can cook for fun. But you can't make a living. And I was like, well, I'll show you. <laughs> so I went, paid my way through culinary school. Huh. I found out, though, Dr. Wild, that it was the only place where I could actually forget about the world mm -hmm. while I had an assignment making mm -hmm. whatever you play a wedding cake, whatever the assignment was of the day, croissants. Um, and I, I found that to be a weird observation, especially when you're that young, to notice that how is it possible that I can forget about everything while I'm doing this one mm -hmm. task? And they often call that, like, isn't that like when you're in the zone? <laughs> Absolutely. I got kicked out of the kitchen as a kid. My, you know, my mother said, you know, you're supposed to be outside playing. I had a, a grandmother who let me help her. But then I, I, I really got into cooking when I was in medical school because I got into such terrible mental states, working long hours in hospitals, terrible environments, terrible food. And I found that if I came home, if I had imagined something wonderful to make and then got the ingredients and put it together, by the time it was finished, I was back in a very good state of mind. Oh, I love that. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your grandma and where were your parents from and your grandparents? Well, I grew up in Philadelphia. Uh, my father's parents were born in the U.S. Uh, their parents came from Germany and, and Strasbourg, near where the borders of Germany, France, and Switzerland come together. Oh, my, cool. my mother's parents were, uh, from, were Russian Jews from the Ukraine okay. who, who came to the U.S., um, she was the youngest of seven children, and uh, I, I'm, an, I'm an only child. And my parents it really encouraged me to follow my curiosity. And I began to travel at a young age. As you said, in, when I was 17, I went to Japan. I went to a lot of other countries. And travel has always been a very important part of my life, of seeing how other cultures view, view the world. That is so... Okay, so the coolest part is... is you you were in Japan when my mom was a you know a little girl growing mm -hmm. up, and that was like pretty post war post trauma for Japan. So when you were there, did you also really feel a lot of their traditions and heritage through the family? I know you were fairly young as well, but I know you're intuitive. I know that you have like you're on another planet. I didn't say. <laughs> right now I, I meant it because you're in your own world and league and you're you're light years ahead of everyone so you know just the fact that you went there in 59 you were 17 like did you comprehend that or did it come back like maybe later no, I'll tell you, I, growing up, my mother read to me, I was pretty young, Japanese fairy tales. Oh, 
Uh, she had a book of them with illustrations. And I remember I, I related to them so strongly. And when I got to Japan, I lived with two families, one outside of Tokyo and one in Kobe. And I immediately felt at home there. Uh, you know, I, I think I must have had past lives there. I, I just felt so comfortable uh, in, yeah. in Japan. And it was a very different place then. It was, uh, you know, it was not affluent. Uh, the first family I lived with had a very traditional middle-class house. I got to see, you know, a lot of Japanese culture. And over the years, I've, I've been to many parts of Japan and experienced a lot of traditions there. I think I must have had past lives there. Of course you did. <laughs> and also, you've been to my mom's hometown in Betbu. Yes. With Andre. And you both, who, who Andre is one of Dr. Weil's business partners, if you will, and they work on matcha tea together, which is fascinating mm -hmm. to learn out um and you both i believe that you did the clay almost like the sand clay baths we were buried in uh in very warm uh black i think it was black sand as i remember oh my God. <laughs> buried completely except for our faces okay did that work by the way well, we couldn't move or do anything, so you're really forced to be still and and meditate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have not done that yet, but yeah, it is such a cool place. And for those of you who geographically wonder where this is, Kyushu is a southern island of Japan. It's known as the California of Japan, mm -hmm. and it truly is a magical place on its own that isn't really as popular mm -hmm. as Hokkaido which is the main island of Japan. So I also thought it was fun for you to know that um, my last name, Kuma, actually, yeah. Kuma means bear in Japanese. Aha, that's my totem, <laughs> that's my totem animal. <laughs> I know, I heard it was your spirit animal, yeah. yeah. So, And by the way, my cat is like glued to my laptop right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> feel your cosmic energy. It's I like crazy. it. It's so animals and your spirit animal. This is a fun thing to tap into. Tell me about your, your love of your dogs and just connecting to pets and how important that can be during COVID right now. Well, I think connecting with another living being is something we absolutely have to do. Uh, you know, I've had periods of my life where I lived alone, but I've had dogs. And I think if I hadn't had dogs, I probably would have gone crazy. Uh, living with dogs has really taught me how to communicate non-verbally. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think my dogs and I understand each other. We understand each other's needs and wants. And it's great to have that kind of connection and dogs are so loving and so connected and it's a very special relationship i'll tell you one interesting fact you know dogs have evolved the ability to hold our gaze which no other animal does most animals interpret looking into the eyes as a threat but do <laughs> but dogs will look for long periods into our eyes and there's research that shows when a dog holds your gaze there is release of oxytocin in your brain. That's the hormone that promotes connectedness and loving feelings. And it's in the dog's brain as well. And as lo the longer the gaze is held, the greater the oxytocin release. Wow, this is incredible. Okay, so I was also researching a bit and Rupert Sheldrake's name came up yesterday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I heard that he has made done a study that proved that a dog could know when you're leaving work and going home. 
Some dogs have, it's not all dogs, but okay. some dogs have this ability. And one of my uh, Ridgebacks was very good at that. My parents stayed at my house. This was in Tucson. And she, and we confirmed that when I would leave my office wow. at the university, the dog would go into the driveway that was a rural area and wait until my car came. And by the way, Rupert Sheldrake, he's a friend of my colleague and lives also on this island in BC in the summer. Oh. Where I am. Yeah. So we're That's very, amazing. we're very good friends. The, the most beautiful part is that we we have to learn from these scientists and doctors that are out there doing bigger and better and badder things and being curious as your parents encouraged mm -hmm. you to do as a child. And I think if if there are many listeners right now, because I know I've got this wide fan base of young girls, and I want them to know that every book that I wrote in every men's health or women's health column or shape or men's fitness, now men's journal piece that I wrote, a lot of our information was cross-checked with Dr. Wilde's writing. Mm -hmm. um, I have a stack of your books. Your website is an incredible resource. I think Andre and I had often laughed about how you and I might be the last two people left on this planet that actually write for our own websites. <laughs> <laughs> Like, right. it's so bizarre to me because I was like, no, you can't write for my website. I'm a writer. Like, that's what I do. <laughs> so, and there are a lot of parallels, you know, like all, every young girl should know that you trained thoroughly at Harvard, but yet you did decide to study outside of the realm of what you were taught when you were at school. Yep. You know, I felt that I had not learned in medical school how to keep people healthy. Uh, I had not learned much about healing, and I've always felt that the main business of physicians should be to teach people how to live so they don't get sick in the first place. And if you do get sick, to how to use uh, the most natural, least invasive treatments possible to promote the body's own healing abilities. And that really is the basic philosophy of integrative medicine. I don't reject conventional medicine. It, it's clearly indicated for uh, certain things. If I were in a serious car accident, I wouldn't want to first go to a shaman or a chiropractor or an herbalist. I like to get put together in a trauma center, but then I might use other methods I know about to promote healing. And one of the key aspects of integrative medicine is lifestyle medicine. It's all the things under our control that we can do to protect and enhance the body's healing ability. And that starts with nutrition, which is a subject that we're both very much interested in. Oh, and I, you're just singing to every like cellular being inside of me that I wish and I pray and I still dedicate every little bit of my life to this. I wish more people understood that what you consume and that's news food, friends, family, technology, this shit affects your everyday, man. Absolutely. I talk a lot about mental nutrition. What you let into your mind is as important as what you let into your body. Uh, you know, obvious. But, but, you know, you said you a lot of young women listen to you, yes. and I think it's especially important for them to understand the basics of nutrition and health. And it's not complicated. For example, let me just tell you one fact. Um, all of the bone that you have and all of the muscle that you have in your life are built up early in life in your in your adolescence and 20s by the late 20s that process is done and from there on it's all downhill and all you can do is slow loss you can't build new muscle or bone so i think if young people understood that 
they would be more motivated to do the things that really promote healthy bone and muscle and not do things that undermine that process. Well, you know, so what are things that young women can do every day so that we can stay a little bit healthier, whether it's our immune system? And the other thing I really want to gear towards is mental health, because Mm -hmm. this is a topic that people don't, they don't admit it and they don't talk about it, but I'm happy to talk about it because as somebody who has to be on social media for work, it has destroyed the way that I have felt about what I do on my own every day. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Candace. I think that uh, social Mm -hmm. media can be very toxic. I think it contributes to anxiety, anger, depression. It it undermines uh, our attention. Um, And I think you really want to try to limit how much time you spend on that. Okay, so maybe we can view social media as like a tool or Mm -hmm. resource and don't stay on it longer than an hour a day. Yeah, I think that applies to it's 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 all devices that you want to limit the time that you spend on them or have some cutoff time in the day when you disconnect from them because it's really affecting it's really affecting mental and emotional health. So you have looked into this recently then. I have and there is beginning to be research on it. We don't have a lot of data yet, but I, people are beginning to look at it. I think there there is no question that device addiction and social media addiction are really changing the way our brains work. Oh god, that's so scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know and now now with COVID, so th- this brings sure. up the other triggers that many of us have and I, I'm not even going to say young women anymore because I know this affects everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had to sort of, I've at least had to face a lot of my demons mm-hmm. last year and then this year. I thought last year was so bad for me because I had gone through a, as you saw that series that I've been producing. I did. <laughs> that, <laughs> was, that was a, an undertaking that I didn't know that I could really ever handle. And since you've written, like, I believe dozens of books at this point, um, you know what it's like to take on a large scale project. I do. (laughs) I'm sure that you've had ups and downs in that, including depression, anxiety. Okay. So now that we've got this magnified time of pandemic and also, you know, the lockdown, how can we help everyone to better understand that we're in this together? The responsible thing to do is to wear a mask. And how do you feel about getting tested too, if you have symptoms or also say you have to travel for work? Some people are leaving to do that now. How do you feel about all of those proper precautions? I I think you want to take as many of them as possible, including getting tested if that's available and you can do it. Um, Sure. And I think, uh, you know, if you have to fly, you want to uh, be careful about social distancing, all the things we know how to do to wash hands frequently. Uh, You know, we, we really know all this stuff. So we have to take it serious. Yeah, and I say well, that's the real problem. I, there's a lot of people uh, out there who either believe that this is a hoax uh, or it's something that's been manufactured or uh, it's not serious. I mean, it is something we have to take seriously. Uh, I think at some point it will subside. Uh, we're not going to be in this phase that we are now. Um, we have to get 
get through this. People have gotten through these things in the past and we will get through this. Okay. I agree with you. And and in the instance of interviewing those Nagasaki survivors, mm-hmm. um, I had noticed that many of our ancestors had gone through far worse things. Far worse. Yes. <laughs> your family came from Ukraine, Russian borders, you know, Germany. They lived through a tremendous time of change and trauma. And so I sometimes think that if we look back at our lineage, we can see that we're part of a continuation that comforts us in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, well, yeah, even more recently, Candace, um, you know, my parents lived through the Great Depression, which makes our economic woes look trivial. And they also lived through, although not as directly as, as uh, some of your ancestors, through World War II, which is probably the most horrific human experience in history. And that that's was in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, so human beings are very resilient and, uh, you know, we have a great capacity to meet challenges and bounce back from them. And I'm quite sure we will from this. You know, what's amazing is just talking to you. I feel like I'm talking to a 40 year old that, <laughs> you know, like a peer, how do you stay? And I, I mean that wholeheartedly. I'm mm-hmm. not bullshitting. And I know that yep. and I didn't know this when we first met, but I was like, holy shit, he's not a bullshit. <laughs> he doesn't care about fame or money either. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> well, I try to stay flexible. Uh, you know, I am still experimental. I'm still curious. I hang around with uh, younger people, with people very different from me, and I'm always learning. I love that. Okay, so encouraging all people, young girls and guys, and of all ages, to always remain curious, to hang with people that are not like you necessarily. And then how about when it comes to some of your cooking, um, everyone should know that Dr. Weil was one of the partners at True Food, which you should know was a place where all my friends always wanted to eat, whether it was in LA or like Newport Beach. That was a place where we went to eat really good food. It's my idea, Candace, and a lot of <laughs> lot of my recipes, and I continue to uh, to work for it. You know, the restaurants are are. I think they will also recover from this, and we have oh, more yeah. more planned to open. Uh, it's really good food, and the basic idea is to serve food that is tasty, delicious, beautiful, and also conforms to good nutritional science. And I don't think there's anything else out there like that. So I've always tried to, you know, show people that there's no, uh, there's no conflict between food that's good and food that's good for you. Most people think that eating healthy means giving up everything you like, and that's absolutely not true. I I love to eat. I love good food. I, I think it's very important to get pleasure from eating, to share that with other people. But as I said, I think the the first rule is to really stop eating refined, processed, and manufactured food and concentrate on whole natural foods as close to the way nature produces them. And especially to eat a lot of vegetables of very good quality, as well as fruit. You know, and there's no category of food. It's not that fats are bad or carbohydrates are bad or grains are bad. You know, there are ways of, of preparing all these things that, and eating them in moderation that make them fine. 
Hmm. So what about your garden at home? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what you're growing and what you like to cook on an everyday basis. So I, I'm, I like to have salad very frequently. I have a lot of wonderful lettuce in my garden. Uh, I have a lot of herbs. I'm, I've harvested a great deal of broccoli in the past few weeks, which I love. So I eat that frequently. I've had a big crop of snow peas and snap peas. And with all these things, the the trick is to cook them minimally. So they're bright green and crunchy. You know, growing up, I had so many mushy yellow green things served to me that really turned me off a lot of vegetables. And, you know, now I, I just love vegetables. I also have potatoes growing and i love new potatoes that are really waxy in texture you know roasted uh what else do i have out there of cabbage i've been making fermented foods because i'm a big fan of of fermented foods i think they're really really good for you they're easy to make they're cheap so i make my own sauerkraut i heard you like you like natto. I've been. I made natto myself. <laughs> oh my god! Andre, my Andre mom, can't stand it. But uh, my mom will die. Ah, I, you know what? We got to make it for Andre and and serve it over a hot bowl of gohan. Yes. And- I like to whip it up with chopsticks and put a little yeah. hot mustard in it and shoyu and scallion, and that's very, very good for you. I also make tempeh, uh, not not a Japanese food, that's Indonesian, but easy to make. And uh, people, it's very important to eat fermented foods, just very good for health. You know, I've often thought that, uh, and everyone's lineage and heritage, because mm-hmm. I'm Polish and Japanese, so that's, you know, a lot of sauerkraut meats. Yep. Miso paste, shoyu, natto. Yep. Every single one of our grandparents made and preserved mostly like fermented foods. Mm-hmm. So, how do we go back to the way things once were before all these shiny packages? <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I think a lot of people are selling snake oil right now. <laughs> yep. And I'm over it. I'm like, can you just eat a freaking avocado and call it a day? <laughs> That's my favorite snack is an avocado with shoyu or yellow miso paste and a touch of like lemon or apple cider vinegar. And people would look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, you're, like, you're weird. <laughs> yeah, I, and I certainly am. Um, <laughs> me too, me too. Uh, I think we have the same same taste. <laughs> <laughs> but like that section when you get to the store, so as the ultimate doctor in integrative medicine and wellness, how do you feel about what's happened to the food industry over the last few decades? Well, I think the, you know we have transformed food. Uh, in, Michael Pollan wrote that our great-grandparents wouldn't even recognize as food what most people eat today. Uh, and I think that's true. All the stuff in the middle sections of supermarkets, it's this highly processed uh, stuff that's very removed from nature. So a lot of this has been for the convenience of the manufacturers. We've also... Uh, bread vegetables that are good for shipping but deficient in flavor and nutrition um, I think when you eat food that's fresh from a garden it's just so much better it has not only tastes better it's probably got more nutrients it has more life energy in it you know a huge difference there so it's you know the, I, I really am very sad about the way uh, food has been transformed well, yeah but you know what the best news of the day is yep. is that you and I have this incredible opportunity. I I sometimes call it a blessing and a curse. And I know you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. To have so much available to information to share with people. 
Like, it's like we have all this info, but sometimes it's hard to get that info to the public. And I know I sound like the same person and broken record as you, but I really have always believed that if you just fucking cook for yourself (laughs) real food, that you may see a huge difference in your skin, your sex drive, your patterns, your immunity. So especially during COVID, would you, one thing we know we're going to recommend to people is start cooking with whole and real foods again. And I think a good trend that we see out there is that more people are cooking than ever right now. And baking, I think this is one of the good responses that's happened to the pandemic. And also, I love to cook with other people. Uh, I think that's it, it's really fun. I, I, my daughter and I cook together a lot. And uh, we have a, have a great time. And I like turning people on to wonderful food and then teaching them how to make it. It's not that hard. Yeah, and when we were going through, I was looking at your books like side by side with mine, at least for the instance of like uh, Clean Green Eats mm-hmm. and True Food. And it was funny because Andre and I both had said, oh my God, who copied who? <laughs> these books. And I just laughed because I'm like, it is absolutely true sometimes that people can be so parallel at different points mm-hmm. in their life, at different places in their life. And they could be thinking and writing and sharing the same things just on the other side of the world. So I love that you cook with curry, with tofu. You've got Japanese recipes in here. You eat mostly greens and plants, like Michael Pollan recommends to eat mostly plants. Tell us about that point of view with um Using meat is almost like a side compliment, if at all. If you look at the cultures um, that have the best general health and longevity and lowest rates of disease, mm-hmm. you know, Japanese people, uh, a lot of the Mediterranean countries, uh, meat is really something that's eaten on special occasions or in small quantities. It's not the centerpiece of every meal. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't tell people to become vegans or vegetarians, but I think it is it is a very good idea to reduce consumption of animal foods and not only for personal health, but for planetary health, because the raising of animals for food is one of the great contributors Mm -hmm. to climate change, to deforestation, to degradation of soils and water. And one of the most practical things, and by the way, those factors are also generating these epidemic diseases that are jumping from animals to humans like COVID. So I think one of the practical steps that people can take is to reduce consumption of animal foods. I do eat fish. I'm a, I'm a, a pescatarian. Uh, so I eat fish and shellfish, but my, mostly I eat, uh, I eat a great variety of vegetables and whole grains and I, and I eat high quality dairy products, cheese, especially. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I know we could talk for hours and I know we will once this is Yes, I look forward. <laughs> I know this is so, it's so tragic. Cause it's like, why? Uh, one thing I really wanted to commend you on was your level of integrity and excellence and work. And one thing we talk about on this pod a lot is doing what you love and doing it so well that people cannot take their eyes off of you mm-hmm. as my mm-hmm. one said. Mm-hmm. I would love for you as one of the, if not the top professional in integrative medicine and health, natural health, natural medicine, 
Can you just give a little bit of advice to every girl out there listening who aspires to be someone in this space? Just, it could be any piece of information that you wish that you got when you were studying at Harvard. Well, first of all, just a, a general piece of advice, don't smoke. You know, that, <laughs> you know, I think young women can be drawn into that habit very easily. It is the single worst thing you can do in, in, as a lifestyle choice. Now we can say don't vape. Yes, don't, don't vape. Don't yes, don't vape. Yes. Not cool. Not cool. So that, that's the first thing. Okay. S- secondly, I would say don't be a victim of the fashion industry, you know, which is telling you to have a certain body shape and appearance. I see so many young women who are driven crazy uh, by these messages that come from the media. And I think this often leads people into very restrictive ways of eating that are probably not healthy or sustainable in the long term. Um, so, so those are two pieces of advice and then just learn the basic facts of lifestyle medicine, learn the basics of how to eat for health, what kind of physical, have regular physical activity that's the right kind for you. And also to learn and practice some method of managing stress. You know, my favorites are simple breathing exercises because they're so time and cost efficient Mm -hmm. and easy to learn. I have a, you know, one breath that I teach the four, seven, eight breath, which is in all my, all my books and website, very simple thing uh, to practice, extremely valuable. I love that. The, I was going to bring up 478 because it's free. Mm-hmm. It's accessible. You can do it at the airport. You can do it before bed. You can do it when you wake up. And it has tremendous effects. By the way, uh, the uh, Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, has been has quoted saying that I taught him the four seven eight breath, and that wow. it's been very useful. I never met him, so I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but he's been quoted in magazine or interviews saying that's been very helpful. Well, <laughs> now that you have to take a trip out there and confirm with Shinzo, exactly. <laughs> I have not taught you this in person yet. <laughs> wow, we should work on that and yeah. get an invite for you. All right. The okay, so this is all good advice for girls to take. And actionably to wrap this up for COVID, we want to tell everyone to take it serious, mm-hmm. to wear a mask mm-hmm. because it means I care about you and I respect you and vice versa. Yep. And we want people to boost their immunity by eating real whole foods. Mm-hmm. Limit exposure to social media and news, especially television news. Mm -hmm. And we want people to pick up maybe a book or two that they've never read before. Mm -hmm. So one we recommend of yours is Natural Health, Natural Medicine. Mm -hmm. You like cooking, Dr. Wiles, True Food, Seasonal, Sustainable, Simple, and Pure cookbook is phenomenal and i say that about no one except me <laughs> Thank Water and martha stewart uh, <laughs> <laughs> and keep going because i know you have more advice well you can uh, access my website drweil.com d-r-w-e-i-l.com there's a great deal of practical advice there all of my books are available on amazon uh, I, you can check out the website of the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona. That's integrativemedicine.arizona.edu, which can also, by the way, help you find a practitioner in your area who's been trained in integrative medicine by our center. 
Yes. And then, Candice, there is matcha. <laughs> and yes. uh, I must mention uh, our matcha site, matcha.com, uh, which I think has some of the best matcha available. And, you know, it's a wonderful thing to drink. And, you know, this goes back to the beautiful story of you working in tandem with integrity and grace, you actually traveling to Japan to make sure that you tasted the best matcha Mm -hmm. and that you wanted Americans and Western culture to have the same experience that we've had in Japan. So I very much commend you and Andre for your grace and for your kindness. Thank you. Thank you. Homework because I respect you for that, and I respect Andre for that. It takes a village for people to understand what it's like to be Japanese Mm -hmm. and people trying to pass off brown powder as matcha. (laughs) (laughs) It's like if you were going to do drugs, you would not do the worst drugs. Right. (laughs) And you only want the best shit. And so... And the same goes for food, right? And practicing medicine. Like you want to learn the imperative most beneficial and best quality. That's what everybody should have access to nowadays. Correct. So that's been my mission is to turn people on to the best and things that they can access and that are going to cause improvement in the quality of their life. And amen to that, Dr. Weil. I cannot thank you enough. My hand is on my heart. No. I wish and pray that everybody could live. If, if this is really our only life, mm-hmm. I hope and pray that everybody could live to the best of their abilities and to perhaps find a way that you in this time of COVID can find to be more meaning to the world instead of complaining and whining and being part of the problem and buying into the bullshit that the news media is putting out. Why not go inward and look at some of these books that we've talked about? Um, I, I'm really inspired by your work and have been for over a decade. And I think you're a true gift to this world, Dr. Weil. And there's not many people that can, we can't say that for everyone. Well, thank you, Candace. And I'm a great admirer of all that you do too and the quality of what you put out. So uh, I hope we can find ways to work together. I hope that you all loved this podcast with Dr. Weil. What an amazing person. My Kumai bear spirit animal, my friend, my confidant. He's an amazing person that will remain in our lives for as long as we can remember. Because what happens is people like Weil are living the truth and in the truth and honoring the truth. And he respects himself and I respect him. We respect each other, and thus we put the best work possible with our name on it at the end of the day, which means I stand by him and all that he says. Please remember to check out his website again at drweil.com. I'll also post all of our information on the Wabi Sabi Podcast Hub on iTunes, as well as Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. You guys have an amazing week, and please look at the matchashop.com. That's T-H-E-M-A-T-C-H-A-S-H-O-P-P-E.com and pick up your latte powder. It's full of beauty benefits. It'll help to keep this podcast going. 
You guys know I don't want to run ads on this pod, but I do want to support women in wellness. So if you believe in me and my work, there are also signed books for sale. You can give one to a friend, Kintsugi Wellness and Clean Green Eats. I'll sign it and I'll send it to somebody that you love and I'll put whatever the fuck you want in it. Like, let's get crazy. Love, Candice. <laughs> All right, you guys, I love you so much. Take good care of yourself and each other and know that in this time you are certainly not alone. And when we come together and when we take care of each other in harmony and in peace and when we learn to alleviate our suffering through going inward and working on ourselves and our spirits, then we can go out and better take care of the world and those who are suffering around us. I pray for all of you and I hope to find you on the other side. And this may be our new normal. So remember that you may have to work on adapting right now to knowing that this is going to be how it is. And you're healthy, you're loved, and you're beautiful. So don't lose that light in your eyes. You are not alone. I promise I'm in this with you together. Talk to you soon. Love you guys. Ciao.